Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day. My contributor is Dina Saig Dahl, law and crime legal analyst and remarkable person. Top story of the day. This made national and international news. A white male father left his child inside of the car. 22 month old Cooper died. Because of that man, the evidence was overwhelming. His conviction has now been overturned by the Georgia Supreme Court. Let me give you background to this case. Put up his picture with baby Cooper. This was one of those pictures made very famous during that infamous trial. Georgia's highest court on Wednesday overturned the murder and child cruelty convictions against a man whose toddler son had died after he was left in a hot car for hours. Saying the jury saw evidence that was, and I quote, extremely unfair, extremely and unfairly prejudicial. Now, let's put up his mugshot, okay? I remember covering this case when it happened. It was gruesome. Significant circumstantial evidence from what he Googled to his extramarital affairs and the fact he was in an inappropriate relationship with a child. But he also had a very strong church community that supported him during this trial, something that's not reported in the re-reporting of this story. The community stood by him with all of the evidence that he did in fact leave his child intentionally in that car. Now remember, Remember, he was convicted by a jury. Judge sentenced him. His name is Justin Ross Harris, was convicted in November of 2016 on eight counts, including malice murder and the death of his 22 month old son, Cooper. A judge sentenced him to life without parole, as well as 32 more years for prison in prison for other crimes. I'm gonna get to that. Uh, let me first bring you to the Chief Justice of Georgia. All right, that's your Chief Justice. The Chief Justice of Georgia issued a summary that said, hey, basically, there was enough evidence, yes, to convict him of the crimes. However, we just think some of the other evidence that was introduced was a bit much. I'm summarizing. All of the Supreme Court justices agreed that there was sufficient evidence to support the conviction. That's one dynamic. But the 134 page majority opinion written by the Chief Justice of Georgia says that much of the evidence having to do with Harris's sexual activities should 
not have been admitted and may have influenced the jury in an improper way. The ruling means that Harris is now entitled to a new trial on the murder and child cruelty charges against him. All right, this is interesting. This is really interesting. So all of the justices in Georgia agree, you actually do have enough evidence to support a conviction. Meaning the fact finders of the case being the jury may actually not reach a different decision even without that additional information. I have seen courts actually say the judge or the court were in error by having this particular information. However, it would not have changed the outcome of the case and they will allow the conviction to stand. I have seen many Supreme Court decisions just like that. There's more. The defense attorney for this monster says we are very appreciative and grateful that we'll have a new trial, said Harris's attorney Mitch Durham. The high court upheld Harris's convictions on three sex crimes committed against a 16 year old girl that Harris had not appealed. Now, what did, where did the 16 year old girl come in at? During the course of their investigation of him killing his 22 month old child, they found that he was in an inappropriate relationship with a 16 year old girl, all right? Um, he received a total of 12 years in prison for those crimes. The Cobb County DA's office plans to file a motion of consideration in the case according to an email statement. So prosecutors argued, now think about the argument, this goes to your motive. Prosecutors argued that Harris was unhappy in his marriage and intentionally killed his son to free himself of it. To support this theory, they presented extensive evidence of extramarital sexual activities that he engaged in, including exchanging sexually explicit messages and graphic photos with women and girls and meeting some of them for sex. Defense attorneys described him as a doting father and said the boy's death was a tragic accident. The six to three majority opinion says the jury heard and saw extensive and extensive amount of information. It was improperly admitted as evidence. Now I actually agree with the dissent, put up the justice who wrote for the dissent. I agree with the dissent in this case, that's Justice Charlie Bethel. Justice Bethel wrote a partial dissent that was joined by two other justices on the Georgia Supreme Court. He said the state was, and I quote, entitled to introduce in detail evidence of the nature, scope, and extent of the truly sinister motive, motive it ascribed to Harris. For that reason, Bethel wrote the trial court did not abuse its discretion in allowing the challenged evidence. Remember, the prosecution had a theory of the why, it's called your motive. And according to the prosecution, the motive was the fact that he had all of these entanglements, some even being illegal, that it became the catalyst for his criminal action. Now let's be very clear, none of the justices believe this guy did not do this intentionally. They all believe that he killed his son. He not only had a background on the internet, basically researching how to get this done. He also had a lot of auxiliary dynamics connected to his behavior before and afterwards that suggested he was guilty. The jury, the fact finders said guilty.
The Supreme Court of Georgia says mm, there's enough evidence to support him being guilty. But in a six to three ruling, they have now overturned that conviction. Fascinating. All right, Dina Dahl, you are a legal mind, an attorney, a legal analyst. What in the hell happened here? This issue comes up all the time. Harvey Weinstein just tried to appeal his conviction for basically the same thing. You know, in our country, we can't convict people because they are bad people. We convict them because of the actual act they took if that's a crime. And so there's always this tension between what the prosecutor wants to put in showing you know, prior bad acts that are either consistent with this crime or somehow in this case, um, contribute to the motive of the crime, and the defendant never wants that to happen. And we we see, you know, convictions overturned because of this. And there is that balance. I think what happened here is because these prior bad acts were to do with having sex with underage girls, which is very offensive. You know, even if they were. Um, evidence of just affairs with people his own age, that could be considered a prior bad act. That probably would not have led to him being overturned. But because people are so offended about sex with underage girls, and the amount of evidence came in. That's, you know, the court was talking about that. There was days of testimony. There was Lots of lewd pictures, there were texts. I think the prosecution shouldn't have even introduced a lot of that. I think they could have made the point with one witness, maybe just one or two texts in order to, they needed to do something to show motive because people leave their children and pets in the cars like this does kind of accidentally happen. But they were, this wasn't a manslaughter charge. They were trying to say he intended for it to happen. So they had to do some of it. But I think that they should have reined themselves in and not done as much because they did end up putting like this mini trial within the trial of, you know, almost proving, you know, the fact of him being basically a pedophile, which he was also convicted of. And I can see that how he prejudiced the jury on the other conviction, unfortunately. You know, it is interesting because my law professor who taught taught me rules of evidence would say, you know, a lot of this comes down to the discretion of the judge. And if the judge says, you know, I do not believe this information is, is so prejudicial that it outweighs the probative value. And I'm going to make a judgment call. And typically when a judge makes a call like that and, and they weigh probative versus prejudicial, it's within their discretion. I was surprised that the Georgia Supreme Court basically said the judge was outside of his discretion by making this ruling to allow the evidence in. So going to be interesting to see what happens. Obviously the prosecution, they do have the ability to retry this case now. I think what's going to happen because this guy served a significant amount of time, they're going to offer him a plea deal. Do you agree that may be the way forward for him? I think so, and in particular, because in that opinion, they said that there was not that much other evidence supporting this conviction, which if I were the prosecutor, I would read that and think my case is going to be weak if a lot of this is excluded. All right, there you go, and we'll follow up. We'll make sure we follow this story for whatever happens next. Let me give you an update. We covered this earlier in the week, but I, I wanna show you this insurance company that decided to celebrate Juneteenth in a particular way. Uh, they have now been 
basically outed by progressive insurance. Put up the picture for a mass here, okay? This is in Maine. The insurance company is anti-Juneteenth. I didn't even know that was a real thing. This is the Harry E. Reid Insurance Agency. And this is how they celebrated Juneteenth. They put up a sign in their window that said, Juneteenth, it's whatever, we're closed. Enjoy your fried chicken and collard greens. That's what they said. Now, nobody forced them to do this. Nobody told them that this would be funny. Nobody said you need to be offensive. They did it on their own, all right? So since the image of the sign has been circulating, people have taken online to review the site. Yep, to condemn the insurance agency, prompting Yelp to disable users' ability to post on the company's page. It says this business recently received increased public attention, resulting in an influx of people posting their views on this page. So we have temporarily disabled the ability to post here as we work to investigate the content. An alert on the Harry E. Reid Insurance Agency's page reads what I just quoted. Now, Harry E. Reid Agency, interesting. They are actually affiliated with progressive insurance. So Jeff Seibel, a spokesperson for progressive said in the statement and I quote, we're aware and appalled by the sign recently posted at the Harry E. Reid Agency and are terminating our relationship with the agency. We're committed to creating an environment where our people feel welcomed, valued and respected and expect that anyone representing progressive to take part in this commitment. The sign is in direct violation of that commitment and does not align with our our company's core values and code of conduct according to the statement. Now this is so deep, you gotta think about how deep this is. Racism is such a complex and adversarial dynamic in our social culture. Literally, you have an established, reputable company in Maine who has a day off from work. The employees get to just go home. You don't even have to be at the office. But the racism runs so deep that they are willing to risk their livelihood to make a statement about how racist they are. You gotta think about the psychology involved in that. You could have just said that at home, talk to your friend or family members about it. Maybe even posted it on social media and got away with it. But you put it in the window of the establishment. You wanted people to identify the values of your company with your racism. That's what you wanted. And I'm sure this company has black customers. I'm sure this company probably has black employees or at least works with vendors who are African American. They didn't care. This is my point. You don't have to agree with everything in society. But when you decide to make a public statement, when you decide to submit your ideology to the public, expect one or two things, public praise or public ridicule. You submitted it so that we can talk about it. So don't go running now. All right, Dina, thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, I 
100% agree with you. It is shocking for a business who's dependent. I mean, the amount of advertising and marketing companies do in order to attract customers, you know, to have an employee be, or I don't know if it's the owner of whoever that was, to take that kind of action to be so offensive is shocking. Um, you know, they do have a First Amendment right to put that sign up. Your neighbor would have a First Amendment right to put that sign up. So in some ways, maybe it's lucky that it was on a business because they had the consequence of a business and they had their business harmed by it, which is a kind of natural consequence of it. I think we don't realize sometimes how little rights maybe we have about how offensive other people can do, even if it's kind of like in your face, um, you know, with regard to speech, because speech is so protected in this yeah. um, country. So in some ways, it's kind of lucky that it was on a business and, and they were able to have progressive kind of disengage. And that was its own kind of check on it. Yeah, it really was. Marjorie Taylor Greene, United States Congresswoman says racist white people, I mean Republicans, will leave the state of Georgia if Stacey Abrams is elected governor. Oh My God, what are we going to do? Here it is. But Stacey Abrams though, now she wants to be governor and I think she's all in on this. George Soros is heavily backing her. She has money from, she's got more money than God at this point. If she wins and is the governor, with Brad Raffensperger as Secretary of State, how long will it take to save Georgia from that? Because they're going to do institutional things to to harm the voting process. Yeah. Well, number one, we have multiple problems. Number one, most people I know that like whose kids have grown and, and they're empty nesters, they're, they all say we will move. They're saying they'll move out of Georgia. They'll move to Alabama, Tennessee, or Florida. Okay, state. we'll take them. Yeah, <laughs> y'all are getting everybody. So they're saying the Stacey Abrams. So that's Republican votes leaving. That's a big problem. Red flight. Oh yeah, it'll it will be. And then the other problem is, well, the state legislator they will have to hold the line, right? Mm. And they're not very strong. They're just not. They allow stupid things like Democrats voting in primaries. So it's it'll be a major issue. Hopefully she won't win, but we'll see what happens. Yes, Marjorie Taylor Greene has threatened citizens of Georgia with Republicans leaving Georgia if Stacey Abrams gets elected governor. I just hope that move comes with Marjorie Taylor Greene moving too. There's a lot more. Uh, don't think the irony is missed on me that she's discussing this whole thing with a guy who's under investigation for child sex trafficking. All right. Okay. So she said the inside part out loud, something that has become very common now. Stacey Abrams put up a picture. She ran unopposed in the Democratic primary. Now, here's what Marjorie Taylor Greene is upset about. Forever in the state of Georgia, you are allowed to run as a Republican Democrat, you can run as an independent in the other party. The Libertarian Party is a strong third party inside of Georgia. So you simply get to declare on the day you vote if you are a Democrat or Republican, meaning you can just vote on the Democratic primary side or the Republican primary side. You cannot vote in both, you have to vote one or the other. You don't have to declare. That you are only a Democrat or only a Republican, you can switch it up when you choose to. 
They don't like that system. Um, Abrams and fellow Democratic candidates will have to make the case that Kemp and his fellow Republicans left a record of failure. That is going to be the fight. Here's her opponent. This is the current governor. That is Kemp, all right? Kemp beat David Perdue. David Perdue was backed by Donald Trump. Bernard Jones was backed by Donald Trump. A lot of people backed by Donald Trump in Georgia lost their election, all right? So she brought up Raffensperger. Raffensperger is the Secretary of State Republican. He's the chief elections officer. He is not backed by Trump, but he's running against a young lady named B. Wynn. It is spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N, but pronounced Wynn. I had a great conversation with Miss Wynn just a couple of days ago. Wynn actually took over the seat of Abrams in the Georgia legislature when she chose to run for governor the first time around. Abrams now backs Wynn for Secretary of State. So Wynn, B. Wynn, is a Stacey Abrams endorsed candidate. All right, Green believes part of the reason Kemp and Raffensperger won their primaries was due to the state's open primary system. Several reports suggest many Democrats actually swapped sides during the primary season to oppose candidates endorsed by former President Donald Trump. An analysis provided by data firm L2 found that more than 37,000 people who voted in Georgia's Democratic primary two years ago crossed over to cast ballots in the May 24th Republican primary. Here's the issue with their data. Uh, because I checked, that data, that kind of crossover, not abnormal. is actually pretty much in line with how it works every year. You have a significant number of people that actually will cross party lines and vote Republican one election cycle. And then they decide to vote Democratic the next one. Nothing abnormal about those numbers. All right, Dina thoughts here. Well, her thought about people moving the state. I mean, here's the thing, people, we can barely get people to vote, okay? So they're certainly not going to be uprooting themselves and moving just because somebody won an election. Everyday people are focused on getting food on their table, seeing their children you know, in between their multiple jobs and trying to survive in this country and this idea that are, you know, it's so consequential, right? actually for anybody to live that they're going to sell their home or somehow uproot is just not true. And I think that if there's this fear around it, and I think it's a real disconnect from really you know, what people's lives are all about. And although people can be focused on politics, they're certainly not making life decisions based on it. Very well said, and listen, when Matt Gates said red flight, that was his code for white flight. Just so you know, I didn't miss that either. All right, we got more on the other side is indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me remind everybody about becoming a member, a TYT member, real easy, real simple. All right, go to tyt.com forward slash change, become part of transformation. You are the engine. That makes this work, all right? We want more of you. TYT.com forward slash change. Got some comments here, mini 2022. But I thought the church people want to save the children. No, they were there defending this person, all right? There's a lot of them. Um, Strawberry Quick says, I hope he gets the same conviction. Yeah, 
Linda M about the insurance company. What is wrong with people? What year are we living in? That's right, 2022. Ideology still exists, went nowhere. All of that, we live in a post-racial society, optical illusion. Tiffany Powell, sounds like Georgia would improve if the racists left. There you go, exactly. Uh, don't threaten me with a good time. All right, David Morris. Uh, reminds me of when uh, Jeremy Corbyn was running for prime minister and it was claimed that wealthy people would leave the UK within minutes if he won. Yeah. Uh, new members, YouTube members, Jim Pardo, thank you. You are indisputable. Um, and Raquel Lacey White, thank you. You are indisputable as well. All right. You can always join us. You can join the membership group right on the YouTube channel. Uh, Twitch, I am Sock says about the insurance company. It's a day off. Who complains? About a day off, nobody unless you have a day off because of black people. Now it's a problem. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You feel free. Back off! I said couple there's an African American man threatening my life. Yeah, and you bumped our car. What the wrong with you? I saw Asia. This male Karen went from insults to physical assault. Here it is. We have identified this violent male Karen, put up his picture for a mass. Let's go ahead and expose this horrible individual. This male Karen has also been charged with a hate crime for his attack on a Filipino family at a North Hollywood drive through The incident happened last month, right? His name is Nicholas Weber. 31 years of age. Weber is accused of attacking the Roke family at a McDonald's drive through lane and has been charged with one felony count of battery with serious bodily injury and one misdemeanor count of battery. He was scheduled for a June 8th arraignment but did not appear in court. So an arrest warrant has been issued, but he was arrested earlier this week for an unrelated matter in Orange County. He is being held on that warrant, all right? This is a steal of him strangling the mother, Narissa. According to a representative of the family, Narissa and Patricia Roke.
were, were waiting at the drive-thru when their car was struck from behind by Weber's car. That's when Weber allegedly got out of the car, approached the family and started hurling anti-agent slurs at them, telling them he was going to kill them. While the family waited for police to show up, another member of the family, Gabriel Roque, arrived to check on his wife and daughter. That's when the family says Weber physically attacked Gabriel and Narissa Roque before a bystander jumped in to stop him. Gabriel was taken to a hospital after having suffered multiple injuries, including a broken rib. Now, you saw that video. The male Karen, Mr. Weber, was in the wrong. Not only was he in the wrong, he decided to express his hatred and racism towards this Asian family. The Asian family, think about this. They never wanted to harm him. They just wanted to stop him from harming the family. They did not try to be excessive. They simply wanted to stop the threat. Now, if they would have been excessive, we all would have understood. My point to you is, sometimes it's not just Karen against anti-Karens, it's very bad people against very good people. This guy's a very bad person. All right, Dana, thoughts here. That video is horrible. I feel so bad for that family. Really a scary and traumatic thing and so offensive as well. He should be charged with attempted murder and with a hate mm. crime enhancement on top of that, he could be in jail for quite some time, which I really believe somebody like that should be. A completely unprovoked trying to strangle somebody. Yeah. Uh, you know, based on who they are, he's you know he's likely to do something like that again, and, and the the victim may not be so lucky. So I really hope they do pursue this to the extent that they can. Anti Karens unite! You're screaming at employees at Walmart. Get out of here! This child is way too young to learn that lesson, but he did that day. So let's look at what happened here. You have a child who's actually working, a young entrepreneur, somebody who's learning the art of supply and demand, the dynamic of work, the integrity of hard work. He's learning it. 
He's understanding how to interact with the society around him. Then you have a racist woman, an older racist woman who decides to start launching insults against this young child, a child, somebody else's baby. Remember, she's not an employee of the store. Nobody has authorized her in law enforcement to tell the kid to pack it up, to go down the street, to leave that particular establishment. He's not causing any trouble. The young man is respectful, he's nice, he's been taught well, he's a good person. So what does he do? He remains respectful, he does not engage in her ignorance. But then there comes this anti-Karen, love this brother. And I say brother intentionally because my brothers and sisters are ones who subscribe to my values. So here comes our brother, our brother sees everything that's happening and he steps up. That's another lesson that young man learned that day. That while yes, racist people like her exist in the world, so do individuals like him who will fight against it and stand with you and advocate for you and advocate against them. So I'm glad he learned that lesson too. All right, Dina thoughts here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we talk a lot about children on this show. I think that like the experiences you have as children do shape you. Once you're an adult, it's really hard to be shaped. And I think that the example of that man, he didn't try to call the police on the woman. He didn't try to get her to leave and it ended up being this like power struggle between the two of them. I think he gave such a great example to that child yeah. that generosity and kindness is the way to overcome racism and hate. And yeah, I just love how he did that. Yeah, and and you know, if anybody has any pushback on me saying this, this woman was racist, remember her quote, you should see how they live. Who who do you think they represent in her narrative in her mind? Okay. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Okay, uh, this is really cool, Food for Thought. Our Food for Thought contest has now ended. Thank you for participating and we hope you had fun just like we did. Please tag at the Young Turks when you make your meal kit. We wanna see what you made, all right? Now that the contest has ended, what do you think? Should we do it again? To tell us, visit tyt.com forward slash trivia. TYT.com forward slash trivia to let us know, all right? Okay, let's get into some of these comments. YouTube Super Chat about the racist male Karen. Mimi says, unholy hell, this man would be dead if he assaulted my family. Tony W, love the bystander for stepping in. I'm talking about, yeah, the, the racist male Karen. Anti-Karen, all right, David Morris says, almost brings a tear to my eye. That's right, yep. Lucien, the dark fire king. I'm not ashamed of myself, the Kara model in action. And Candace DeLeo, um, if the snigger was sold by a white kid, maybe she would have bought one. Or maybe if a white kid had a lemonade stand, you know, maybe that would have been more appropriate for her. Okay, uh, 
two very racist white people, uh, they decided to talk about their racism. Here it is. Growing up, I was eight or nine, and um, I lived in a, a very wealthy part of St. Louis, uh, like a, a rich county that was predominantly white. And then they did inner city busing from East St. Louis into oh this. <laughs> he said, "Oh my!" I mean, he couldn't even hide it. I mean, you're on TV, man. There's more. To oh this. My. Um, and so I remember being like in elementary school and asking my mom, like, I, I know that we're supposed to believe that. That people with different skin colors are the same, but like these these people are clearly not the same as us. And my mom was like, "Do not let anybody hear you say that." <laughs> wow! And least. it didn't occur to me until years later that I was like, I was kind of on it. <laughs> I was eight or nine, you know. Your experience with uh, this busing program reminds me of something that Robert Patterson once said. He was the founder of the White Citizens Council in the nineteen sixties. It was set up to fight school integration and residential integration, and uh, he said, uh, the sure cure for integration fever is a stiff dose of Negroes, except he didn't use the word Negro. Oh, Lord. In, in any case, yes, it should be. You see, that's the thing. A stiff dose of blacks really should cure anyone of his illusions about it. I think I'm actually okay in stiff doses, sir. Stiff dose of Negroes. And he didn't say Negroes. Uh, so let me tell you who these clowns are. Conservative Rebecca Hargraves and conservative white nationalist uh, Jared Taylor. I'm gonna give you some background to these individuals. It's quite fascinating. Uh, they have a significant following. And remember, the young lady kept a smile on her face the entire time. I mean, this was a joyous thing to talk about how racist she was. According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, Jared is the founder of the New Century Foundation and edited its now discontinued American Renaissance magazine, which despite its pseudo academic polish, it publishes proponents of eugenics and blatant anti-black and anti-Latino racist sentiments. After the last print issue of American Renaissance magazine was published, in January 2012, Taylor concentrated entirely on the magazine's website, Amarin.com. Taylor also hosts the annual American Renaissance Conference where racist intellectuals, I know that's an oxymoron, that's what they have been dubbed, rub shoulders with Klansmen, neo Nazis, and other white supremacists. In his own words, back in 2005, Jerry Taylor said, and I quote, Blacks and whites are different. When blacks are left entirely to their own devices, Western civilization, any kind of civilization disappears. Isn't that interesting that he has this worldview about black people? Sir, where is Egypt? Ah, can you build a pyramid? Sir, do you even know how to build an irrigation system? When the anti-feminist conservative Hargraves went on full alt-right, November 22nd, 2017, there's a video. Rebecca, aka blonde in the belly of the beast, that's what she calls herself, revealed that she has officially adopted a white nationalist worldview. Well, good for her. The St. Louis native got her start recording videos with titles like 
living in liptard USA. Feminism is for idiots and uglies and degenerate women and their abortions, right? You're getting the spirit and culture of these people. She complained that collectivism and tribalism are actively reinforced in minority communities. While, and I quote, white people are told that engaging in the exact same collectivism is hateful, racist, and even an expression of violence. And while she says she didn't use, uh, used to care about white identity, she changed her mind when she saw the anti-white narrative. Now I do this for a reason, I want to expose racist people, especially those who are continuing to influence impressionable minds. I want to provide a contrast, a rebuttal to their ridiculous ideology, a challenge to the notion that somehow their whiteness is supreme. Now these individuals are inside of their bubble, they're not going to change their minds. But I do believe that racism exists on a spectrum, that there are some people who are racist and can be helped. There are some people who are implicitly racist and want to be helped, but there are some people who are racist like them, hyper aggressive racism, and there is no hope at all. But remember, these are the people who right now are controlling the conservative movement in America. They are the ones who are in charge of the conservative party. Not one Republican of note will come out against either of them in a press release, a press conference, nor a Twitter post. They will not denounce this kind of rhetoric. Why? Because they, those racist people, are in charge. All right, Dana, thoughts here. Well, you know, I think the most important thing I see is just the like information basically that you're giving your viewers because you know, I'm not going to hear that because I'm not going to sign up for her YouTube, right? And so you could have a whole section of the population that hears that white supremacy is maybe gaining ground or like you said the bedrock, but if you don't hear it, you can kind of disbelieve it in a way because it is so outrageous. So I think that, you know, I always kind of come down to like, I, I believe free speech is important because I'd rather know what people were saying, right? That's how we can have actual conversations around it and create policies to come over it. But you have to hear it, right, to begin with. So I actually just commend you for including it because as offensive as it is, it's your audience who's not regular listeners of her who need to know what people are saying out there. Yeah, yeah, and the people that are moving the political narrative for the conservative party, and they are. A woman decides to spit on the coffin of a man, put a picture up for a mask. 51 year old Laurie Lynn Hines has now been arrested on the charge of abuse of a corpse while spitting on said corpse during a funeral viewing in Tyler, Texas. She did this in front of the entire family. The woman probably had a grudge against the dead person when alive, decided to take it further by spitting on the dead body during the viewing. And there's some more context here. According to reports, the 51 year old, Laurie Lynn Hines was arrested in connection to an incident that went down at a funeral viewing months ago. Hines allegedly went into the funeral viewing that took place in Texas, spat on the body inside of the casket instead of paying respects. That's what she decided to do. Hines, 
was eventually hit with a felony charge and was arrested almost seven months after committing the crime, seven months. A witness on the scene reportedly told police of the animosity Hines had towards the family of the dead person she spat on. A warrant for Hines arrest was issued early 2022. Hines bond was only set at $2,500 and she posted it immediately. However, she is now facing felony abuse of corpse if convicted. She could face up to two years and stay jail along with a fine of $10,000. All right, so here's the Texas law. All right, in Texas, the abuse of a corpse is committed by anyone who disenters, disturbs, that damages, dissects, or carries away a human corpse, concealing, trafficking, or transmitting the corpse out of state and treating it in an offensive manner are also included under the offense. Now, what's interesting is that initially they don't want to charge her with the felony statute, all right? They wanted her to get a slap on the wrist. But think about how egregious this was. It's not as if, and it would have been bad if she just went and spat on a dead body, period. That's already bad, okay? But she did it in front of her, of the entire family. She did it in front of everyone at the viewing service, all right? Dina, you see a lot of cases in law. How many of these cases do you see where a person is arrested for spitting on a dead body at a funeral? Not many. I did see a case where there was an abuse of a corpse, but they were doing um, some sort of like ritual that would they got um, charged that way. But somebody being so mad that they're literally carrying their resentment to somebody who's already passed away just it's kind of shocking, but it, it seems like she fits under that statue. I, I would, I can see her getting convicted of it because that definitely is uh, disturbed and then being offensive to a corpse, and that's yeah. what the statue is, you know, makes unlawful. Yep, there you go. All right, Texas finally got something right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone, membership tyt.com forward slash change, make that happen. Okay, and the watch list, the watch list. All right, make sure you always check out the watch list live daily. Follow at facebook.com forward slash watch list tyt. And subscribe at youtube.com forward slash watch list tyt. That's live weekdays, 12 p.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time, the big homie J.R. Jackson. It's a remarkable show, all right, you'll love it. Okay, Goose Jail, talking about the conservative YouTube people. Uh, He sounds so proud and happy to be against integration. He really is, right? I mean, and the way he packages it. Daniel Williams, really amazing how racist people have regular conversations about how racist they are. Yeah, Larry Billups, you got that right. We are definitely not the same. Thank you for acknowledging that your history is demonic. All right, uh, Fit with E says she is a spitting image, a spitting image of, of a Karen. You know she's a Karen for sure. All right, okay. HOAs, an idea developed by Satan himself, Homeowners Association. Uh, a couple who lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, they have been harassed by their HOA, according to them, because they have a Black Lives Matter sign. Inside of the window, window, there's more to this story. Let's put up the picture 
of Lindsay. Really interesting, Lindsay says her wife Connie put up the sign when they moved in more than a year ago. All right, uh, Lindsay said we placed it inside the window, not outside. We were trying to follow the rules and we know where we live. And we're not trying to get away with anything, okay? What does the sign read? Let's put it up, here's the sign. The sign has the egregious message of, in this house, we believe black lives matter. Women's rights are human rights and no human is illegal. Love is love, science is real, kindness is everything. What? They had the audacity to say what? Which part of that do you think got them in trouble? Was it the kindness is everything part? Maybe it was love is love. <laughs> no, 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 no. Black lives matter. In a letter from the HOA to Lindsay, it says, and I quote, signs are not permitted to be visible in the community. Please remove the signage. The article in violation says no owner shall display, hang, store, or exhibit any signs outside of the dwelling so as to be visible outside of the lot. Lindsay says to test the theory that her and her partner are being targeted, they are going to get a garden flag for their yard with the same message. It's almost like a litmus test. If they suddenly have a problem with the garden sign, now we have no doubt that we are being targeted. You, you should know based on the reading of the rules that you're being targeted, madam. It's unfortunate and thank you for the allied relationship. We need more like you and we build coalition, all right? So that's why we are going to defend coalition members like yourself every time on Indisputable. Now it's clear based on the reading of their own rules that in order for you to be in violation, your sign must be outside of the dwelling, clearly in the rules. If they have a challenge, a problem with you having a sign inside of your dwelling, well, they need to change the rules, all right? Uh, let's put up a picture of the CEO of the HOA's management company. His name is Derek Green. So. In the, uh, if the couple fails to comply by July 1st, they could be fined $40 a day. This is the couple's third notice of a supposed violation. The others involved a fire pit and a portable uh, collapsible fence. Uh, Lindsay says other homes have similar violations but have not been punished, all right? They have similar things, no punishment. Why? Because it doesn't say black in it, that's why, all right? Uh, Derek Green, CEO of the HOA's management company said that the governing documents are, and I quote, enforced equally across the entire community. If this was a security sign or a contractor sign, they would have received the same violation. It has nothing to do with the content of the sign or the people uh, or the people that of that residence. Okay, uh, according to uh, the residents, uh, Mr. CEO, you're not telling the truth. And I do find it ironic that things inside of your home, you gotta think about this, all right? Cuz you gotta be careful. Just because it's a rule, now let's say the HOA creates a rule and says you can't put it inside of your home. Now damn it, HOAs routinely go too far. You mean to tell me 
I do not have the authority to say what goes on the inside of my home. I, I don't have that ability. You mean the HOA can regulate that? Okay, uh, Dina, these HOA rules are pretty strong and many times they do uphold in court. But I've seen some people successfully fight HOAs and their ridiculous notions of community standards. What are your thoughts here? So earlier in the show, I was talking about how the sign on the business, if it was on a neighbor, they have free speech, right? And you couldn't yep. do anything about it. HOA is the one exception to that because they have rules. They say, if you're going to live in our community, basically we can restrict those types of things. Now, this is an example, obviously, where it's like upsetting because their sign is really all about like love and kindness. But if you had a neighbor and they were putting a Nazi sign up and you weren't living in an HOA, you really couldn't have them paint over it or take down a sign because people can put up whatever free speech signs they want in their house. I think we talked about that time where the neighbor was having that offensive radio playing on his yep. loop in his house and they couldn't do anything about it because he had free speech. If they were in an HOA community, it could get shut down. So it kind of cuts both ways. You lose a lot of your rights when you're in an HOA, like frankly, you just do. But are you willing to do that? Because maybe you don't wanna be across from a neighbor who's got this huge horrible sign up. I've seen them also take down signs when they're inside the garage, but they're really visible outside of it. So I. It's a really, um, it's, HOAs are their own base. It's a little bit of a delicate balance. It just depends. Like, what are you willing to give up in order to maybe not have to deal with your neighbors, maybe putting up offensive things? You know, it is interesting. So let's go back to the reading of the HOA rule that clearly says outside of your dwelling that the physical structure or the sign has to be outside of your dwelling and visible. So it is visible. There's no doubt about that. But Let's go back to um, elements, right? So it has to be what? It doesn't say A or B, all right? If, if it's inside, it seems to be silent to that. It seems to be no actual wording for that. And so I see a loophole here. Um, and if they don't like the loophole, they have to change the rule. And then if they change the rule to specifically say inside of your home, how deep does that go? Does that mean that something that's in the back of your home that can technically be seen by somebody because your window is open that day. Is that now a violation of that rule? How far can the HOA go in enforcing a simple rule about what you have inside of your home? You know, it's tough because the HOA, I mean, they can, you know, I mean, there's non free speech things, right? Like what mm -hmm. you can paint on your house, even just the color of your house, they can restrict. Obviously, speech is the most important, but they're basically saying you're, you're signing into this contract by living in the neighborhood. And so you're right, it says on the inside, but if they have, like, I know this person said, you know, they weren't applying the law equally. I think that after the 2020 election, the 2020 election, I know a lot of HOA communities, people were putting up a lot more signs. And it's possible this community kind of tried to um, be more proactive with the signs. But if she finds that other people, I would have her document it, right? You know, if other people's signs are being left out, then it's yep. an unequal enforcement. But if they have kind of been more proactive because it's becoming so hostile with all these competing signs. 
you know, that's a tough one. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's the free speech. It's the one area where homeowners are restricted in their speech on what they put on their house. So very interesting. All right, so if there's a development, we'll bring it to you. I hope they continue to fight. Take them to court if you can. Show the unequal application of the enforcement and see if something will actually stick. All right, fascinating story. A woman kidnapped, was kidnapped, rescued, however, through Grubhub. Yes, 24 year old woman saved from a hostage situation after she sent an order to the New York cafe through Grubhub with a note pleading staff to call the police. The staff initially thought, my goodness, this has to be a prank. But we must be safe rather than sorry, all right? The staff made the right call, big ups to them. Uh, Let's put the note up. So this is the note that the woman left for the workers at the Chipper Truck Cafe in the additional information portion of her order, all right? It says additional instructions, please call the police. He's going to call me when you deliver, come with the cones, please don't make it obvious. The employees were unsure if the note was a prank, but decided to call the police anyway. The suspect was arrested when he opened the door for the food delivery, put up his picture, okay? All right, look at him. Okay, that's a scumbag. The victim's identity hasn't been released, but the suspect has been identified as 32 year old Kamoy Royal, right? The victim described how they met and his abusive behavior. Royal is is accused of meeting the women. It was more than one, by the way, according to the investigation. He met these women on dating apps and then lured them back to his apartment where he holds them there with death threats and forces himself on them. The victim said that they had met on a dating app and gone back to his apartment, but that she didn't feel comfortable and tried to leave. That's when Royal allegedly grabbed her by the throat and started choking her, she said. He told her that she was going to die if she did not do what he told her to do. And he had a knife to her throat according to a criminal complaint. When she tried to call the police, he took a phone away from her. The suspect, Royal, was arrested on charges of rape, strangulation, criminal sex act, unlawful imprisonment, menacing, assault, criminal possession of a weapon and sexual abuse. Put up his profile picture again. Now, I'm doing this as a public service announcement, okay? Monsters come in all shapes, sizes, all right? Monsters sometimes are very intentional about presenting themselves to be decent people. Be very careful, especially when you go to someone's home. I tell my daughter this as well. You can't trust everybody. There are some very bad people in this world and everyone does not deserve your trust, it is earned over time. After Royal was arrested on June 19th, police discovered that he sexually assaulted another victim just a week prior to that. He attacked the other victim, biting her breast 
until he drew blood, according to the criminal complaint. The victim saw knives all around his apartment, authorities said. Royal choked the victim and at one point put his private parts in her food. Sick, criminal, and depraved individual. Royal told cops that he thought his victim was playing cat and mouse with him and that he forced himself upon her because he thought she was being like women are. He was also charged with attempted rape and sexual abuse in that case. The fast acting employees at Chipper uh, at Chipper Truck Cafe protected, protected that woman. Big ups to them, they also likely stopped additional potential attacks, all right? Okay, Dina, horrendous. You know, absolutely horrendous, really brilliant on her part. And it's a fact, women are the most abused in this country. They are the most victims of violence. And women, unfortunately, have to constantly be on alert. And it's tragic and it's sad. And to your point about that picture, yeah, he definitely makes himself come across like, you know, he's reading a book and a friendly person. And I would just say to women, you know, trust your instincts. Yeah. People tend to give off really creepy vibes, even if they look good on paper. Um, I don't know. It's I think it's all about uh, the vibe. As yeah. but it's it's tough. You know, we're putting a lot on women because they are unfortunately the ones who have to protect themselves, and it's too bad. Yeah, and it's it's so unfortunate because you you want to say, hey, you know, there are very good people in the world. You know, go out there, live, be free. But then there's this reality of society that that criminals like him, all right? I wanna say something else, but monsters like him do exist. And what's interesting about the, the young lady who was saved because of her brilliance in connecting to the food app, she said clearly she felt something was off. Once she started to engage with him more and she felt uncomfortable and she wanted to get out of that situation. All right, um, we have more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. We got David Morris talking about the HOA harasses the couple of a Black Lives Matter sign. They have a what? The monsters, exactly. They have a sign that talks about good things and wholesomeness. Unity and love and, and black people, right? Uh, Prince of Judah 79, meanwhile, whites only signs were everywhere in America. Lindsey Rob says, why you looking so hard in people's windows, creepers? Uh, the kidnapped woman rescued through Grubhub. Aaron Okino says, there are also a couple hand signs you can learn indicating certain dangerous situation situations you cannot freely speak about. Yep. Divolve says, thanks doctor, we need to realize monsters are out there to protect ourselves. So often these horrors are swept under the rug, yep. Candace DeLeo, absolutely we get attacked even in chat rooms, yep. Um, a new member, Stoneflower Dragon, welcome to Indisputable. Uh, don't forget, you can join directly. You can join directly on the YouTube page, become an Indisputable member. There are three levels to choose from. We'd love to connect with you on a deeper level outside of the show as well. All right, thank you in advance. Okay, a black male jumped in a river 
likely going through a mental health crisis. Let's go to the video. He jumps off, he's going through a mental health crisis according to the family, he's dead, he died. They tasered him multiple times. Let me take you to London. So the London Police Department is now under investigation after that video. The man's name, let's put his picture up, his name is Ola Diji Adeyemi Omashore. He goes by Diji, he was 41. He lived near the Chelsea Bridge. His family has expressed concerns about how police dealt with the 41 year old at the time when he was clearly suffering from a mental health crisis and he was vulnerable, he was frightened. According to Metropolitan Police statements on Saturday, June 4th, the police were called to the bridge to respond to a disturbance regarding a man acting erratically with a screwdriver. That was around 9 a.m. clearly. This is likely a mental health issue based on that report. The family has confirmed it was a mental health crisis. Once on the scene, the officers unsuccessfully attempted to detain Mr. Amishore by tasering him. When police came closer, he ran away and jumped into the historic river. The Royal National Lifeboat Institution pulled him from the ward and took him to the hospital. Once there, according to the Guardian, he was listed in critical condition. He later died from his injury shortly after while still under medical care in the hospital. The Independent Office for Police Conduct has launched an investigation. In an IOPC statement referencing the investigation, the group revealed, and I quote, investigators have secured police body worn video footage and initial accounts have been obtained from the officers involved. The two officers are also being treated as witnesses by that agency. The group also has the taser used in the incident and will be analyzed. Investigators are also conducting a forensic examination of the scene. Reports note the officers who are being questioned about excessive use of force said the man challenged them before they discharged the taser. Okay. Now remember, the police are the police no matter what country you're in. They're already building a defense for themselves. This should have been handled as a mental health call, a mental health crisis. But instead, they tried to handle it as a criminal matter. Now according to the call, the emergency call, there was no actual criminal element connected to this young black male, none. He was acting erratic. The person who called probably called out of concern, not because they wanted that call to lead to his death. There's more. In a statement released on Wednesday, 
Amashore's family has called on the police watchdog to investigate initial incorrect reports released by the Metropolitan claiming that he was armed with a screwdriver. So there's a caveat here. The agency later clarified that Mr. Amashore had in fact been carrying a plastic and metal fire lighter. His family said Mr. Amashore used the lighter for his cigarettes. Once again, the police released a statement to bolster their position, to manipulate the facts in order to build a case favorable to them. The family had to speak up to correct the narrative. They had to speak up to reveal the fact that he was no criminal, that he was not engaged in criminal activity, that he was in fact going through a mental health crisis. It was the family who set the record straight on that. And then the family had to come back and demand that the agency correct their initial statements that indicated he was attacking the police with a weaponized screwdriver. His family's lawyer, Kate Maynard of Hickman and Rose said they want to know why initial why the initial statement referred to a screwdriver when the lighter had already been seized and why it took the agency several days to correct the public record. The family also expressed concern the officers involved remain on full duty during the investigation. Once again, the police are the police everywhere you go. It's not just the policy, it's also the culture. Now we're gonna follow this story and obviously this man should be alive today. The fact that the police lied, now it's illegal in London too, to lie on an official report. They decided to lie anyway, those cops should be held accountable. We are providing exposure of this case, all right? Okay, um, a woman got an indecency ticket for this, here it is. Guess what, you see my outfit? I got a ticket for indecent exposure in Winfield, Louisiana. Okay, indecent exposure. All of my bits are covered. The f are you kidding me? At a family event where there's alcohol being literally handed out for free, and that's a family event. And three female cops came up to me and gave me a ticket. I live in mile down the road. They literally could have just been like, hey, ma'am, could you put some clothes on? And I would have been like, yeah, cool, I'll be right back. But no, they stood there and gave me a ticket for indecent exposure. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we checked out this story is real. She got a ticket for wearing that outfit. Let's put the picture up full mass of her and her outfit, okay? The authorities decided that her outfit was inappropriate at a festival. Referenced city ordinance 1476, passed unanimously by the city council members on 6-14-2011 and is cited as follows. It shall be unlawful for any person to wear pants, trousers, shorts, skirts, dresses, or skirts in any public place or places open to the public, which either intentionally exposes undergarments or intentionally exposes any portion of the pubic hair cleft of buttocks or genitals. Fines range from $25 for a first offense to a maximum of $300. And the person may be ordered to perform up to 40 hours of community service. Well, damn, let's go to the police chief. Who's the police chief? Interesting fella here. 
His name is Johnny Ray, Johnny Ray Carpenter, the chief of police. Uh, so Johnny Ray says he's not having it, all right? Um, the citizen was given a court date according to them in the Winfield City Court, which is the proper venue to dispute any allegation. A citation in lieu of arrest is an allegation of an infraction, not an assumption of guilt. So they're basically saying, hey, we're not saying she's guilty. We're just saying we gave her an infraction. Fascinating story. All right, this is one story I'm likely not going to follow up on, just an interesting saga. Okay, the most amazing thing I've seen on the internet for a long time. Mike Tyson, here it is. Hello, I'm feeling beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I know, you gotta see that again, don't you? Here it is. Hello, I'm feeling beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You know it is Friday, one more time. <laughs> Let's put up the picture full mass. Okay, now here's the thing. If you walked up to Mike Tyson and you made fun of him dressing up in a B outfit, dancing and singing that he feels beautiful, you know what you would be? You would be a guy who just got knocked out by a guy wearing a B outfit, <laughs> dancing, singing that he's beautiful. The 55 year old heavyweight dressed up in a bumblebee outfit, danced around for an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live. So this was shared, it is making the rounds on social media. I'm not mad at Mike Tyson here, I'm not upset. If I was, I wouldn't say it. He also played a game of Mike Tyson is right behind you where fans comment on the boxing icon before being confronted by the man himself. One guy's asked to rank the greatest athletes of all time and has no room for his favorite boxer of all time, Tyson. But when Iron Mike creeps up behind him, he quickly says, no way, probably number one now. Now remember, if you're an annoying drunk passenger on one of Tyson's flights, you might get stung. Remember this? Hey, hey, Mike, Mike, come on. Let's go stop back. There's losing worse, man. Now let's go back to the B dance. Hello, I'm feeling beautiful. I do not condone violence. Mike Tyson is the only man I know that can kick somebody's ass one week on the plane and then go on Jimmy Kimmel, put on the B outfit, dance and say he feels beautiful. What a world. Ben. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a little afraid to make any comment for or against this on, <laughs> on, on the risk of him finding out. I met Tyson once in Vegas and I shook his hand late night. I was a little tipsy at a Casino walking through and probably shouldn't have even approached the guy, but he was nice at the time. I think he makes a great B, he makes a wonderful B if he wants to be. If he doesn't want to be a great B and he wanted that B to be a one time B situation, then he makes a mediocre B and he shouldn't have done it. Whatever makes him happy. B clearly in this instance not only stands for boxing, it stands for beautiful. It stands <laughs> right. for by golly. He reinvents himself constantly and it stands for barely alive if he sees the segment how I will be after he has his way with me. So uh, good for him, let it be. Let it be, 
That's it. All right. <laughs> Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.